Namaste and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast, where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. There is nothing permanent except change, said the Greek philosopher Heraclitus in 500 BCE. To be human walking upon this earth is to be on the treadmill of change. Yet, what is our relationship with change? Do we claim it as the sacred threshold that it is for transformation or Do we abdicate the alchemies of transformation because of our relationship with change? My name is Kilkenny, the host of the Modern Mystic Podcast, and today I wanted to explore the topic of transformation, which is life's recurring invitation due to its constant nature and rhythm of life at its core, which is change. Change, like gravity, like taxes, is one of the few inevitable aspects of life that we can count on with certainty. And certainly during these unprecedented times we are living, the opportunity for change has been abundant due to all the disruptions that the global pandemic has precipitated. Now, if you are listening to these, episodes and years to come, and God, goddess willing, the COVID pandemic is behind us, you are still living in an epoch of unprecedented times where, due to the acceleration technology has birthed, has affected most every arena of life. The pace has quickened exponentially, and thus, when life speeds up, the experiences of change concurrently also speed up. For example, individuals living in the United States where I live have never had so many jobs over the span of their life. It used to be that a person would have a few jobs on average a couple decades ago. And now the projection is that 20-somethings will have an average of jobs over the course of their lives in the teens. As humans, however, when change arrives at our doorstep, often our natural response is to kick and scream, even when we think and if we think we want change, when the window of it appears. So often we feel uncomfortable, resist it, and at best check out from it and just kind of let it happen not really seizing it as the transformative and rich process that it could be, or maybe we do, but only kind of halfway. Think about it. What is your relationship to change? Contemplate times when you have had big aspects of your life shift and what was your reaction to them? Did you embrace them with curiosity even if and while you were suffering? Did you kind of just let the current of them shift your life passively, 
without actively really appreciating them or gleaning any lessons. Or perhaps contemplate a small change you've experienced more recently. Did you contemplate the teachings of it or view it as an annoyance just to get through? Getting curious about our relationship with change can be a powerful life practice because when we contemplate our relationship to change, we uncover our deeper relationship which hides underneath the waves of change in the waters of our relationship to transformation. When we are trying to live in the most aligned, conscious, and awake way, making transformation our ally is key. Often we hear the word transformation, and it can sound super sexy and appealing. Especially if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a person for whom this word transformation would appeal. However, This might be more in theory than in actual practice. And that's okay, because when push comes to shove, we are all humans. And human nature typically resists and suffers through change. This is natural. Why is this? Well, we tend to cling to what is familiar and what we know. What is known, even if it feels barely manageable, is safer than what is unknown, because the unknown can feel like a threat. The unknown could be better than what we are experiencing in the current present moment, but it also could feel worse. We don't know. Even the most small change can also throw us into fight, flight, or freeze mode, and our survival instincts kick in. The unknown is the mystery. And to actively engage with the mysterious aspects of life takes bravery. When we actively strike up conversations on the inside and out and develop a relationship with both the unseen and enigmatic aspects of life, whether you know it or not, whether you use the label or not, you are living what it means to be a mystic. Also, to actively engage with the mysterious and unseen aspects of life takes significantly more energy. It just takes a lot more energy, which as humans, many of us naturally simply steer away from, right? The path of leaf resistance we seek. So to transform takes both bravery and energy. And let's face it, we all have so, so much happening in our lives. As exciting as exercising, some more bravery and energy might sound in order to transform. When it comes down to it, IRL, many of us are juggling so much in this fast-paced modern-day world. The status quo can feel less daunting and pretty enticing if we're really authentic. In science, we know that it takes more energy for an object to change directions than to keep it moving in its current trajectory. So if you find your relationship to change in general and transformation isn't so joyful, isn't so moving, deep down, 
I want to acknowledge and honor that that's okay. And really, like I said, a very normal average experience. Not that you're average, dear listener, in life, but just a shout out that in this theme of transformation, your response is very, very human. Now, if you are one of the more rare embodied beings who's like, yeah, I love change, bring it, and you truly love the process using the avenue of change to enter the highway of transformation, well, kudos to you. But keep listening because there are still ways you can deepen and understand your relationship with the power and potential of transformation. These people might have had childhoods filled with changes, such as moving around a lot. Or you might just have Pluto, one of the markers of our relationship with change in an opportune place on your astrological natal birth chart, but I'll get to that. (laughs) One contemplation for everyone is the invitation to contemplate when change and thus possibility for transformation reveals itself. At which point do you process the natural anxiety or sadness that can arise during this process? Most people in my coaching work tend towards having those feelings of anxiousness or sadness I've noticed over the course of several years more during one of three times. So some people tend to process the natural anxiety or sadness or complexity of feelings surrounding change ahead of time when they know the change is inevitable and are anticipating the change. So they start digesting their feelings in relationship to the change then. Two, some folks, it's smack dab in the middle as the change is happening. Three, in the wake and aftermath of the change. So maybe there wasn't a lot of processing or even a feeling ahead of time during it, and then all of a sudden it's over. And there's this wave, this wake of experiencing feelings around the change. So this is something for you to chew on, or you could even journal about that would be really wise to come into relationship with understanding if there's a specific time when you connect the dots of the changes that are big and significant that have happened in your life, and you can see a pattern. This knowledge can become part of your arsenal to engage with change as a transformative experience. So the next time you're faced with it, as opposed to change just having its way with you, it's a way to juice the lessons, wisdom, and even magic of change so that it becomes transformational and a really transformative process that doesn't leave you where it found you. In various cultures and traditions, there are beautiful and powerful archetypes we can study, meditate on, and come into embodied practice, which is one of my biggest passions in this lifetime, embodied practice, with who hold the sacred energies of transformation. There's the phoenix, the firebird, whose wings and medicine comes from the Greek tradition. The phoenix is so comfortable 
with the process of transformation that he builds his own funeral pyre, settles into it easily, knowing it will burst into flames, but also cognizant of the fact that from the ashes of his past self, he will be reborn and fashioned anew. The Phoenix's lessons remind us that it is only in releasing our old selves and facing the death of aspects of ourself that we are able to become the next most magical versions of ourself. Another less known aspect of the Phoenix's story is that in between his continually ongoing cycle of birth and of death, birth and of death, birth and of death, he flies over the world and releases healing tears that all the animals, humans, and plants benefit from. I love this so much as he, even with his comfortability, with the necessary phases of death and rebirth, he acknowledges the pain and the suffering of it all. It's still filled with complex emotions and feeling. And in that feeling, there's healing. And in that healing, the transformative process can continue in that cyclical, ongoing way. Transformation, transformation, transformation. And that's such an important key to our own relationship with transformation itself. Becoming comfortable with the pain that most often inevitably comes along with it. And that's why if we uncover spots in this cycle of our personal transformation, where we tend to feel uncomfortability, anxiety, and or pain, we can look out for them, remembering when they tend to occur, and then meet and greet them with even more open-heartedness, compassion, and wisdom. When we greet, hold space, and witness these natural and normal moments of pain, our own tears become healing like the phoenixes for ourselves. For loss is this inevitable part of transformation because in order to grow into something new, we must release and mourn something else. In the letting go of the old, we create the necessary space for that something new. This concept of allowing space for and not rushing the process and stages of transformation is key. When we allow space in our transformational process, we create a container for which the transformation to occur. Without space, true presence and acknowledgement that there is a pyre being built and then a process of burning that must occur and then a process of rebirth which in every creature on this earth rebirth is typically a gooey sticky phenomenon change only happens and not transformation Transformation is a choice to be present with 
and to get curious with the lessons that change is offering you. Your response to whatever change is happening in your life and exploring ways you can learn from what life's curriculum is teaching you is what makes it transformational. Sometimes this type of work in psychological circles is called shadow work. It includes looking at one's reaction to life's more challenging moments and then noticing what they trigger within ourselves and how we act on account of those triggers. At some point, I can't wait, I'm going to do an entire episode on shadow work because I get often lots of questions about this from people who listen to the podcast because I mention it. But for now, my experience of shadow work is about bringing the unconscious mind to our conscious awareness as a gateway to guess who, guess what, to transformation. It's typically done in a contemplative format, which is how many yoga and Buddhist traditions work with the psyche in a question and answer format. I already offered it here in this episode earlier when I posited a few questions to you. And honestly, I integrate shadow work into all of my solo soul cast episodes without guests. In the Western psychological tradition, instead of the word contemplative, it is called the Socratic approach. But in my experience, coming from a family made up of serious yogis, half of them, and half serious psychologist, it is the same revelatory idea in my experience and same powerful practice. When we do shadow work, we embark on the journey into the unconscious parts of self and aspects of self that we have rejected due to shame, fear, or really for any other reason. Life brings us change as an invitation to transform. And one of the key ingredients that causes the alchemy of transformation is the journey into our shadow, our underworld. If you think about it, transformation refers to an alchemical process where something turns into something new. Like the phoenix, whose latest version is made up of his old ashes, but yet is totally a new bird in his most recent iteration in any given moment. So whenever you have an alchemization process, one needs three things. You need a container, you need a substance, and then you need an alchemizing force. So a simple example of this would be a cup of tea. The container is the mug. The substance is hot water. The alchemizing force is the herbs that you put into the hot water. In the process of any personal transformation, the container is us, our physical bodies. The substance is our lives. The alchemizing force is the awareness and practices we bring to our lives as they happen to create the tea, so to speak. We could put no herbs in our hot water, no alchemizing force. Life happens, change comes, 
Maybe the mug even gets knocked over and some water spills out or it cools off or some kind of change will happen, but no transformation and no magic. Or we could add toxic or rancid herbs to the tea, which would alchemize it into a stenching cup of smelly hot water at best. Or we can add the herbs of presence, awareness, contemplative thoughts, and embodied practices to it. And we would be left with a new life, enhancing healing and delicious beverage. In the yoga and Hindu traditions, there is a potent archetype that I love who represents the cycles and seasons of life called Shiva. Some traditions refer to him as Shiva. Now, like with the phoenix, when we recognize the archetypes I speak about as aspects and growth edges within ourselves, we can use them as tools to evolve both spiritually and psychologically. So for some of you, this will come totally naturally to you. And then there are going to be others of you that it might seem really out there. Or perhaps your limited mind right now, known as the ego, might say, no, no, I won't do this. However, if you think of the archetype as a lens or perhaps a magnifying glass that you look through to see, locate, or view more clearly an aspect of yourself, maybe that thought will help you. You don't have to believe in anything. You just put the lens on, put the magnifying glass over it, and see what might be revealed. Be open. Be curious. Again, it's about creating space when we do this, understanding, healing, and sometimes even magic arises when there is space for it to pour into. So, Back to Shiva, who is this potent archetype of transformation and the process of it. He is often depicted dancing wildly, which represents movement and the inevitable changes of life. In one hand, he holds a drum, which acknowledges creation. And in the other hand, he holds fire, honoring the necessity of dissolution. Despite this ebb and flow, he continues to balance on one foot, mind you, and, well, dance with rapture. When we engage with the process of change in a way that is active and decide that with the changes that come along, I'm going to lean into their wisdom and messages I will receive from them, no matter how painful confused or scary. I am going to trust in the change. For I know when life comes along and asks me, do you accept this dance? That engaging with it actively and consciously, as skillful as possible, in my body, heart, and mind, that's how I say yes to the dance. That's how you say yes to the dance. And in saying yes, the fiery circumstances 
in my one hand may feel like they are burning me. And the pace and rhythm of my drum of life in my other hand may indeed feel syncopated, out of rhythm. It also may feel precarious, like I only have one leg to stand on at times. It really, really feels that way at times, right? But in the act of saying, yes, I commit to the work of transformation. And no longer life just happens to me, but I co-create with life. I meet change and then become an active participant with its life force, thereby leveraging it into personal transformation. This is the invitation of Shiva and his medicine. Once we get out of the dance of victimhood with change and truly sync up with the opportunities for transformative growth that it provides, we can begin to then initiate changes in our own lives that previously we would not have had the courage or wherewithal to. We become more flexible and learn to really move and go with the flow more. And we actually notice where and what in our lives could use an upgrade and where perhaps we are less than sovereign even. In the Greek tradition, the goddess Persephone, I love her, she is depicted as a gorgeous maiden with a very easy and kind of set life. She's such a profound archetype to work with. As her mother being the goddess of grain and vegetation, her life is expected to be on one trajectory. She'd inherit this role of her mother someday and live a really cush life. However, she gets entangled, entrenched with the god of the underworld, Pluto. Now, those of you who are history buffs out there, he was once upon a time called Hades, and this is the same person. However, his name over time just evolved, and Pluto's the one that stuck. So she ends up descending into the earth with him for half of a full year, missing, so to speak. And her family is like totally freaking out, saying she was abducted and thinking she's harmed or even worse. And much to their surprise, six months later, she emerges from the underworld, not only totally unscathed, but fully empowered. No longer a girl, but a woman, a queen, sovereign to herself. Furthermore, she is married by choice to Pluto himself, the king of the underworld and of death. Her energy and story hearkens once again to the empowering practices of doing the work of diving into the underbelly of the unconscious parts of ourselves and becoming acquainted with the cycle of death. Now, when I say death, death can be viewed as the ending of any cycle, the death of a habit, the death of an outdated system or thought pattern. So often we hear the word death and our nervous system flinches a little bit or a lot. 
because we are ensconced in a society if, like me, you live in the West and you might live somewhere else where this is less the case and there's more of a, what I would hearken, a healthy relationship with death. However, in the West, we're living in a society that doesn't work with and reckon really with the energies of death on a daily basis, in my humble opinion. In my Modern Mystic membership, which you can get via my website, modernmystic.love, I teach my members about tarot cards and readings. And people will like freak out often if they see the death card. And in my membership, I talk about this card at length and how it can be one of the actually most auspicious cards to get in a reading. So check out my membership, folks. And uh, you'll be rocked by the information I share there. The truth is, though, like Persephone, we are often one decision away from a totally different path if we claim it. When we develop our ever-present and ongoing relationship with change and hold our desire to continually transform for the better, we can see the habit that we wish to drop and let it go. And then furthermore, create the new structure in place for the habit we wish to birth. So like for example, we can change our bedtime at night a half an hour earlier by letting go of that late night scrolling screen time. We plug our phone into an outlet across the room, which You should be doing anyway, people, so you're not absorbing all the radiation from your phone by sleeping near your phone. But in this example, we could set our alarms a half an hour earlier to meditate in the morning. And then when we wake up, we have to get up and walk across a whole room so we fully wake up or whatever. It does not have to be, my point is, with that example, a life or death situation. All the time when we talk about transformation. In fact, more often than not, it won't be. It'll sometimes be the little things that often are the big things. And so I'd like to invite you now to take a moment and do an embodied practice. If it's safe for you to do so, you can close your eyes. And if not, that's fine. You can do this later when it is safe, or you could simply keep your eyes open. Begin by feeling into your feet and your seats and take a few slow and deep breaths, deeper than you've perhaps taken all day. And as you feel the rhythms of your body begin to slow down, feel your awareness beginning to settle as well as you fully arrive into your body. Notice what that feels like to arrive into your sacred temple, your body. Then begin to feel into the central channel, this vertical axis and river of energy that runs from your tailbone into the crown of your head. It's called the Zhangmei in the Chinese tradition and the Shushumna Nadi in the yogic and Indian traditions. And 
has many other names, but all refer to this powerful access of energy that lives within you beneath the layer of the spinal column. Continue to breathe with awareness. As you feel into your body and feel into that central column, which now you begin to sense is stretching downward past your tailbone, downward beneath you, downward and downward until it reaches the core metallic center of the earth. You can sense or picture it as a color, is made up of a certain texture, like rope, or perhaps simply light. Attach it to the metallic center of the earth and feel as you breathe the breath on the inhale, lifting from the metallic center this connective central channel up more vertical to you. And then from you on an exhale downward again. And then again up. As you continue to feel the upward and downward energy pulsing with the breath in tandem with the breath, begin to sense within yourself what is ready to release, to die, and to be let go of? Maybe it's a certain way of being, a habit, or a pattern of thinking. Maybe a past heartache, ghost of a relationship that you've been holding on to. With each exhalation now, release whatever is ready to let go downward into this channel through whatever form you sense your channel is made of, down into the earth, exhale by exhale, letting it go. Now sense the space in the container of your whole body you've created from the releasing. And now as you continue to feel into the central channel, sense it moving now upward, not only into the crown of the head, but past it and stretching up, up, up into the sky through the ethers. And now feel yourself soften and open. Maybe you even sense the top of the head softer as you begin to receive whatever it is you are ready to transform into. The next cycle of abundance, perhaps the next most upgraded version of yourself. Whatever it is, receive any impressions, feelings, 
or messages. With each inhalation, feel the central channel rising up, ready to receive what is being transformed into. Maybe you're even a little surprised about what you let go of or what is wanting to be received. Or maybe it's very subtle. Whatever it is, be with it. And notice perhaps if you can at once both sense the dissolution that's still happening beneath you even as the creative energies are pouring into you at once. You can exhale, release, downward, and inhale, rise up, and meet and greet. If that's too much, then you can just focus on whichever one feels best the dissolution cycle or the creative transformative cycle of what you're receiving. Stay with your breath. Keep sinking up your intention to release or to receive with each ensuing breath. Now, continue to sense the channel, that vertical axis of the central channel through your being. And then you can once again feel into your feet and your seat. And take a few deep breaths as you began, feeling now into the entirety of your physical body. And then you can slowly open the eye if they're not already open. Practices help us transform. Rituals help us transform. Contemplation helps us transform. If you are interested in more embodied practices, study, sit with, be with the archetypes of the Phoenix, Shiva, Persephone. Eris is another dark Greek goddess in the Western tradition that I really like. Kali is a dark goddess in the Eastern tradition, whom I've had a long-standing love affair with. Pluto, who I mentioned, is a Western shadower kind of mascot. He's so great, and I love Eris and Pluto, in addition to Persephone, because if you love Western astrology like I do, for many of us, these archetypes are actually on our astrological birth chart and part of our soul's signature and main life lessons. And we don't even know it. In my one-on-one coaching work that I do, 
I work with my clients' astrological natal charts. And time and time again, I've had this happen where one of these archetypes actually appears in their chart, was prominent in the sky at the moment they were born. And it can be so helpful and give such illuminative and wise information for their life's uh, lessons and work in this world. For that information, again, you can go to my website, modernmystic.love, to find out about my coaching, one-on-one work. But I'd invite you to read about any of these archetypes that stood out to you when I spoke of them. You don't have to figure it out intellectually. Just which ones kind of piqued your curiosity or you felt some energy for. You can print a picture of their form and prop it up on your desk or in your kitchen. You can meditate on their image and contemplate their stories and the lessons on their journeys. The word transformation, etymologically speaking, contains the words trans, whose prefix means to bridge across. Embodying and doing practices that remind us of these archetypes act like a bridge, taking us back and forth between our conscious and unconscious minds. They help us traverse the lands of the seen and the unseen, that mystical work. Review your past relationship with transformation. Then lean into it, grow into it, deepen into it. Remember magic and miracles happen when we don't arrive where we started and bridges do just that. Thank you so much for giving me and yourself one of your most valuable assets, your attention. May you continue to seek the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment. Namaste. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast platform you use. It is so appreciated. Also, check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can find information about my very exciting monthly mystic membership. My members have unlimited access to a robust video library, which includes short videos that are easily digestible, sharing practical ways to integrate mystical living into your day-to-day life. These compelling videos cover topics such as how to ground, protect, and grow your energy, how to develop your psychic abilities, how to connect to your spirit team, shadow work, inner child work, tarot cards, lots of Western astrology, of course, in addition to syncing up with the rhythms of nature and so much more. I've gotten so much positive feedback that these videos are game changers for folks. Also included in the membership are over 100 alignment-based yoga classes of all different levels, meditation and breathwork classes, so you can work from the inside out or the outside in and up-level yourself as you become the next version of you. 
Not to mention my Mystic members get all sorts of bonus content and discounts from my visionary podcast guests. So check out modernmystic.love and take a peek there as there's a free sampling of some videos waiting for you. Lastly, if you are looking for some conscious conversation and compelling community, check out also our private Modern Mystic podcast Facebook group. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste. Namaste.